You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Hallelujah. I'm sure some of us have had breakfast, so we can do a better hallelujah. 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 That sounds better. So we have now started a a new series, or rather we started studying the book of 1 Peter. So we don't jump around every week. We select a book and go through it, finish it. And when it's time for selecting the next book, I usually pray and seek God's face. The Lord puts on my heart what book to study, and we study. That's how we do here. And all our messages are available on uh, different uh, platforms like Anchor and Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all kinds of places, Apple Podcasts. So you can listen to the messages. Nearly 60 messages or more are there already. So <coughs> we have begun verses 1 and 2 last uh, couple of weeks ago before Good Friday. So we'll continue from verse 3 onwards. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, first thing that Peter is trying to do is to encouraging them to praise. Encouraging them to praise. So this is the form that you'll see in the Old Testament several times. Praise be to God. Blessed be God. You know? Very often you see it. And uh, when Paul, usually when you praise God, the words that follow are of weighty matters, important things, truths. Before you utter those truths, you first give praise to God. Paul writes to Ephesians and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's the important truth that he's talking about. Before he spoke the truth, he is giving praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And King Solomon in 1 Kings 8.15 says, And said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel who has fulfilled with his own hand what he spoke with his mouth to my father David, saying, da-da-da. So the point is saying, give praise to God. And when you give praise to God, when you see that in the scripture, following those words of blessing, you will see truth that is going to be mind-blowing truth. That is something very precious. That's something you have to treasure it. So here, Peter is also doing that. What is he saying is, Praise be to the God. But he did something new here. What's the new thing he did? He's saying, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This God whom they worshipped as Yahweh. For centuries they have worshipped Yahweh. But that Yahweh is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something new. In those times when Peter is saying these things, and if a Jewish man read it, he will be shocked. Why? So that's something new revelation. New revelation. So that is how I want you to join those readers who read First Peter epistle when they opened it and read it. What is that experience of the people who are reading the word? So I want you to journey with me like that. So those people will be shocked because this Yahweh whom they feared, whose name they were afraid to utter. When you read the Old Testament, whenever the word Yahweh comes, they would not utter it. They leave a blank there and they would not say it. And particularly those who are copying the scripture, they will stop there, go shower and come back and continue writing. Because the name is so holy. But now that name is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
that awesome name fearful name wonderful name is the father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth so what is the new truth he's talking about he's talking about the new birth these christians have experienced to whom he's writing this letter the people who are scattered in different places who have been born again the greek word used here is anaginao anaginao is born again and this is used only two times in the new testament only in two places and that too by peter in the first epistle chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 23 There are the two places uses the word, and uh, uh, interestingly, I looked up. I said, "Okay, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus when he was? Uh, because Peter must have been reminded about this conversation that happened early on. They, it may not be too far into the, too far into following Jesus. They became disciples of Jesus. They were following him. He did the miracle of turning water into wine in chapter two. But in chapter three, you see that by midnight or in the middle of the night, sometime." Nicodemus comes secretly to meet Jesus and in those in that encounter Jesus told him truly truly I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and the spirit unless he is born again basically that's what he says unless you are born again and unless you are born of the water and the spirit so Peter must be remem- reminding himself about this conversation so he is telling them that in his great mercy he has given us new birth what did he say what did he give us a new birth so he has given us a new birth into a living hope so this birth is has an object objective the objective is to give us a living hope everybody say the word living living hope the hope that we have is not dead the hope that we have is not without content the hope that we have is a living hope when you use the word living there should be growth if there's no growth in the hope that hope is dead that hope is dead so he talks about living hope he is cause us to be born again into, uh, with the purpose is to uh, living hope and this this is not a new idea it's something spoken of in the even the old testament several places but ezekiel in particular he says but peter must be thinking uh, uh, ezekiel he says in uh, particular he says i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you i will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh a divine operation a divine operation spoken up by ezekiel god has to take away the stony heart and put a heart of flesh there that will respond but much more is happening now much more is happening now by the operation of the holy spirit that heart of stone is removed and a heart will respond to the holy spirit will be put back into you and a life is imparted to your spirit so that you are you when you die you will not be dead but you will be alive with christ forever this is the spiritual transformation this is a spiritual you are being born again by the spirit and that is what uh, we see uh, in the scripture here oh, let me keep tab of the time okay so jesus answered him said <coughs> i tell you no one can enter the kingdom of god unless he is born of water and the spirit a combination of natural and supernatural here you see a combination of natural and supernatural what is natural you had to be born again by water that stands for repentance when you repent of your sins then you are being born again you are closer to the kingdom of god and then the holy spirit works in you and causes you to be born again and you had to be born again by water and the spirit and the holy spirit has to work 
how do you know what is happening in your life? When is it natural? When is it supernatural? If supernatural is at work, but natural is not happening, then you can be sure that supernatural is not happening at all. But when the natural thing is happening, that you are repenting of your sin, when you have got repentance of your sin, then you can be sure that the supernatural is also happening. So there is a sign. What proves the other? The one proves the other. The natural proves the supernatural. The repentance proves the being born again into the kingdom of God with a new life being implanted. So that is how we know what is happening in one's life. Jesus never intends us to understand all the nuts and bolts of being born again. Because he says that experience of being born again he is like a wind blowing and no one knows where it is coming from and no one knows where it is going. But you know the wind is blowing. In the same way when the Holy Spirit operates in your spirit, you will know that you are coming under the power of the Holy Spirit. You will know that something is happening in you and you will know that you are being set free. You will know that you are being touched by the Holy Spirit. That something is changing in your heart. You before did not like God, but now you begin to love God. Before you never liked to read Bible, now you begin to read Bible. All these changes happen because the Holy Spirit is the one who causes you to be born again. And you receive a new life. And that new life creates a new hope and a living hope, not a dead hope. It's a living hope. It has to keep growing. It has to keep growing. We got a small plant in our house. We planted six years ago a lemon tree. It is still in the same height. It has got only three or four uh, leaves and that are mostly yellow. And then there's no fruit coming on it. I have put so much of fertilizer on it. I poured water upon it. No, nothing is happening to that plant. Can you call that a living plant? No. I tell you, living hope should not be like my lemon tree. Should not be like my lemon tree. It should grow and it should have fruit. We have one more, one more plant. We put a small tiny plant of figs. It was struggling the same way. I have poured water upon it. I have put fertilizer upon it. One day I put some fertilizer, then it, it, it grew, it caught up and it became green and became growing. And what happened? Last week I reaped eight new figs from it, ripe figs. Do you say the fig tree is a living hope? That stands for living hope. The lemon tree, dead hope. <laughs> so you decide how you want to be. But the living hope has to be changing. It has to be a blessing. It has to be refreshing. It has to give you hope. It has to give you strength. It has to give you a new energy, new hope, new goal, everything. Can you understand everything about this being, what it means to be born again? No. There has to be a sense of mystery. That's the reason why Jesus said, you don't know where the wind is coming, where it's going. But it is the same way it will be of the person who is being born again. Because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he, what, what is the means by which this happens? He says, he caused us to be born again by his great mercy. Everybody say, by his great mercy. If God's mercy does not come to you, you cannot be born again. It's very simple. By his great mercy, we'll be born again. And then what happens? Not only this, not only one part of Christ's life is only useful to you. No. Don't say, I like Jesus on the cross. You cannot divide Christ. You cannot say, I like Jesus who rose again from the dead. You can't choose. All of the life of Christ is for you and me. All of his life. When he was born like a baby, without the human father, that's for me. When he died upon the cross, that's for me. When he was whipped, that was for me. When he was buried, that was for me. When he was raised from the dead, that's for me. Because by his resurrection, 
He caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word through in Greek stands, the word is dia. Dia is according to or um, uh, through. That's the word. You see in the last, the last message that we have, we studied, we says according to the foreknowledge of God. The according to is the word dia. According to the foreknowledge. And here he is using the same word dia and according to or through. Through, that is the means of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that is also important to us. You are born again by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection. Every aspect, um, aspect of Jesus' life he is for you to be born again. That's the reason why you share the life of God. What, what do you share? Life of God. Why? Because Jesus rose again from the dead. If he did not rise again from the dead, we looked into it on the day of uh, Easter day. If he did not rise from the dead, you believe in vain. You, you, your faith is useless because it is not going to benefit you. Because he rose again, our faith is validated because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith is validated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if it is a living hope, it must grow. And verse 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. This born again experience, it gives you an inheritance. It is like, you know, many people become fathers, they have children. But if there is a poor father and he has a son, what is his inheritance? Poverty. But you got a millionaire or a multimillionaire or a billionaire or a trillionaire. And he has a son. What, do you, what does he inherit? That billion or the trillion. And I tell you, you are not born to your poor father. Born again, not by a poor father, but by a rich father in heaven. I'm not talking about the material blessings, but I'm talking about the spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing with which you have been blessed in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. God has chosen you to be born again so that you can inherit this inheritance. And that inheritance has got few characteristics. First characteristic is that it is imperishable. Everybody say the word imperishable. imperishable. What is the inheritance? It is imperishable. What does it mean? Imperishable means it is not subject to decay, unable to be worn out by, with the passage of time. You are born again 10 years ago, and today your faith has not grown. That is not a living hope. 10 years ago you believed, but today your faith is the same like 10 years ago, then you have not received the inheritance. You did not believe in this Jesus who comes with power into your life. Because many of us are living poor lives, like a poor son born to a poor father. But I tell you, if you are born again by this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are born into a new inheritance. That inheritance is imperishable. First point. Secondly, it is undefiled. There is no sin attached to it. It is undefiled. A heavenly inheritance unpolluted by sin, containing nothing unworthy of God's full approval. You stand in Jesus, God looks at you as if you are not sinned. That's the inheritance. And when you have that clean heart, when you have that clean heart, you are able to approach God and pray. 
because you have got a clean heart when you don't have a clean heart you come to pray you will not get answer to your prayer because you are not you are not sure of who you are and you ask with with great doubt in your heart but when you feel clean you will have that assurance and come to christ and say my father you have caused to be born again through your son jesus christ by his death and resurrection and Lord you have given me a new inheritance and that inheritance is that I can come to you and I can pray unto you I can commune with you I can have fellowship with you and I am rich because you are rich all that belongs to you belongs to me all that belongs to God belongs to you that is the inheritance and that is undefiled thirdly is unfading unfading is um, um, it doesn't uh, deteriorate in glory it doesn't become old doesn't fade away doesn't lose its color luster or glory it is something that will be shining brighter and brighter and brighter day after day after day and that is how it is why we need to consider this is important truth is peter being a jew he is writing to the new christians and is comparing this experience of being born again to the experience of israelites being set free from egypt coming to the land of Canaan they looked long to enter into this promised land they made a journey of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and they had to cross over from uh, the river jordan and then they had to cross over into the land of Canaan promised land that promised land was not forever given to them it was given to them forever but they couldn't keep it for many years many people were ruled over them in fact israel became a nation only 1948 until then there was no kingdom of israel separately by itself many other people were ruling over it but the kingdom that you have received it cannot be shaken the kingdom that you have received is going to be undefiled it's going to be eternal it's going to be glorious it is going to be powerful and that is what you have received so what is he telling what a jewish man prides over what the jewish man uh, uh, rejoices over that god has delivered him from egypt and brought him to the land of canaan but the experience of salvation that you have is far greater everybody say the word far greater but do you appreciate the salvation that you have do you appreciate the salvation that's, that is so powerful so marvelous so greater than entering into uh, the promised land canaan in 1st peter 5:4 and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory never fade away the crown of glory you are going to receive a crown of glory when jesus goes to come back you are going to receive a crown of glory and that will never fade away that gold that gold with which the crown is made will not fade away in fact he compares that the gold though it is refined by fire is going to be destroyed but the the salvation that you have received is far precious than the gold far precious than gold you can bury gold and an ornament in in the ground for 1000 years and dig out it will still be the same but peter says that gold is not everlasting that gold can perish what he means is that the heavenly glory the heavenly uh, the blessing the inheritance is undefiled and it is um imperishable it's unfading and that is what you are receiving and the crown of glory is unfading it's not going to fade away and i tell you when you look into the book of revelation every aspect that you read in the book of revelation is for you to is written when you see those 24 elders who are given crowns who are given golden chair i mean uh, thrones to sit upon imagine that's not only for the 24 elders 
every one of you will receive it. When they cast their crowns before the, father, uh, the Lamb and worshipped him, it is, it is the same experience. That glory is for you. That crown is for you. So that you cannot enter into heaven empty-handed. You have nothing to offer to God. No! That inheritance is given to you so that you can put that at the feet of Christ and worship him. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. When you say those words, there's power in it. When you say the words, there's life in it. Because you have received the inheritance and you receive the unfading crown of glory. Unfading crown of glory. And the beautiful thing about the inheritance is it's kept in heaven. Everybody say the word kept in heaven. What does it mean? It's protected by heaven. Protected by God. God is the one who is keeping it in heaven. No one can touch it. No one can steal it. No one can steal it. Say no one can steal it. Sometimes you think the devil has come to steal it. But I tell you, God is the one who is protecting you. God's hand is upon your life, upon your inheritance, upon your salvation, upon your new born again experience. God's hand is upon you. So no one can steal it. You may go through trials. You may go through difficult times. But that is because that is to refine your faith, to make it stronger, to make it purer. That's the purpose for which that he will see in the next verse that he transitions, how he transitions, we'll see it very quickly. But in verse 5 it says, who through faith are shielded, shielded by God's power? You're shielded by God's power. That you have to be aware of. Every morning when you wake up, do you feel empty and lost? Do you feel helpless or directionless? Mm, I don't know what am I going to do today. If you have that feeling, you do not know this God. You do not know this God. But when you jump out of your bed, you jump out of your bed and you say, I, my, I am kept by God. I got a purpose, and God's hand is upon my life. He is the one who is, uh, through faith, I'm shielded by God's power. But this God's power to operate, you need faith. Only when you have faith, His power operates. It, it is not independently working in your life. As long as you have faith, God's power is work, at work in your life. When you lose that faith, or give up that faith, and keep it aside for a while, for five years, and then you come back, you, you see that you have not made any progress. Then you have to pick up that faith again. And then you will see progress again. Why? Because the protection is dependent on your faith. You're kept by faith. You're kept by faith. And if you don't have the faith, then you don't have the protection. The tense, the grammar used there is continuous tense. That means what? Continually being guarded, being protected. Protection operates through individual's faith. Guarding is not for a temporary goal, but for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So this protection that you experience now is so that you may experience that salvation when Jesus Christ appears. So what does it mean? It simply means salvation has several aspects of it. One aspect is it takes care of your past sins. The second aspect is it takes care of your present living condition, that his hand is upon you, he protects you. Thirdly, the salvation will be complete when he appears. The three aspects to salvation. Superiority of God's power. God's power is superior. Trials are not superior. Your temptation, testing is not superior. But God's power is superior. Because that is what is going to win against all odds. What about trials? Idea is followed in verse 6. Already prepared and ready but will be revealed only at the last day. So when he says kept, 
by God is already finished. The salvation is already finished. But it is not going to be yours and mine today. It will appear at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, our salvation will be complete. That's the reason why theologians came up with the word, already and not yet. Are you already saved? Yes. But not yet. We are longing for full salvation. So the experience we have is already and not yet. We are saved already, but not yet. We are going to be saved when the appearing of Christ. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In this you rejoice. Everybody say, in this you rejoice. What is this? This salvation. What is this? This inheritance. What is this? The glory of God. You rejoice in these things. Why should you rejoice? Because... Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's not saying everybody is going to go through it. All of you are down. All of you are in, hole, in, a, in a hole locked up. He's not saying that. You may have had to. That means some of you are going through trials. Some of you are going through testing. But that testing should not stop you from rejoicing. So suffering should not stop rejoicing. Say to your neighbor, give me a high five. Suffering should not stop rejoicing. Whatever you are going through, that should not stop you from rejoicing. Troubles are temporary. Glory is eternal. I, if any of you can set it to music, I would like to hear it sung. <laughs> it's a challenge to all of you. The words are, troubles are temporary. Glory is eternal. Or you want to change it to something else. Tests and trials are temporary. Glory is eternal. But set it to music. And if you can dance, get up and dance about this truth, I want to dance with you as well. Because I'm not a grand, great dancer. I never dance in my life. But I tell you, this is the truth that is worth celebrating. This is the truth worth dancing about. Because the troubles are temporary. Glory is eternal. Say it loudly to your neighbor. Troubles are temporary. Glory is eternal. Now, every, anybody wants to stand up and put a step? I tell you, it is worth dancing, it is worth rejoicing. Because the troubles are temporary. Whatever you are going through is temporary. But what is eternal? Glory is eternal. And that is upon you. That glory is upon you. Rejoice. That's the reason why he says rejoice. Rejoicing in God are deep spiritual joy. He says this rejoicing is um, an experience of deep spiritual joy. It is not just temporarily, and then tomorrow you have some problem, some pain, and you are depressed again. It's not that. Whatever happens to you, what your eye sees will not determine your rejoicing. What your ear hears will not determine your rejoicing. Your rejoicing is in God, who is the one who keeps your faith, who is the one who caused you to be born again, who is the one who gave you an inheritance. He is the one who is going to appear again and complete your salvation. And that will make you rejoice. That puts a new step in your spring in your feet and causes you to dance because you are not looking at what is happening around you. You are looking to God, who is the author and finisher of your faith. We are looking to God, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Mary talks about this kind of rejoicing 
in her magnificat he says my soul magnifies the lord my spirit rejoices in god my savior luke chapter 1 verse 46 47 in first peter 4 13 peter writes again but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed so what you go through you are participating in the sufferings of christ not necessarily sickness not necessarily some of these other things but when you suffer for your faith that is participating in the sufferings of christ when you because of your witness you suffer that is participating in the sufferings of christ when you participate in the sufferings of christ you will participate in his glory when he appears what a great truth so you have to rejoice you have to rejoice and psalm 51 verse 12 it says restore unto me the joy of our salvation restore unto me the joy of your my salvation why there is a time when you have experienced this, this born again experience there's a new song in your heart you love jesus and you love his word and you are following him you are singing to him you are witnessing to him now that is all gone is robbed away what needs to be done is it has to be renewed it has to be renewed so that's the reason why uh, when david fell in sin that joy of salvation disappeared from him So what he had to do, he had to repent. So he wrote the Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance, and he says, "Renew the spirit within me, fill me with joy, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and renew my spirit within me." We are going to sing that chorus very shortly when I finish the message, and uh, but then that is what it is. And verse seven talks about trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed powerful verse verse 7 talks about these have come what are these the trials everybody say trials trials have come why the trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold what what kind of faith you have ask your neighbor what kind of faith you have it is far greater than gold far greater than gold you say gold these days is not very um, not much valued these days let's say far worth than platinum and you say no that's not good enough so far worth than jewels or diamonds and whatever is precious for you it is far greater than whatever is precious in your sight it is far greater is far greater and in this far greater one is what he says this thing comes out those things the far greater things can be shown the greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory so first your faith will prove genuine is your faith proved genuine when you go through trials so many times i tell you people who go through trials and temptations they come out defeated come out weak come out completely wrecked and shattered but he says no these have come so that your faith which is far greater than pure gold which perishes even though refined by fire so your faith may prove genuine it may be proved genuine authentic so god sends troubles allows troubles it is like a um, a goldsmith and the goldsmith has got a reputation of melting the gold until all the impurities are taken away and he melts it until he can see his face in the molten gold when his face is reflected in that molten gold then he knows the gold is pure and then he cools it down and makes it ornaments and god our father 
is having his hand upon your life. When you are going through the furnace, when you are going through the fire, he is testing, he is making sure that his face, his glory is what reflects, is reflected in your life, in your trials. And when that is done, he will not delay even one extra second. He will not keep you suffering one more day. He will not allow you to go through pain one more day because he wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to set you free. He wants to give life to you. He will not delay even by one day. In the Old Testament, when you read about the Exodus, God kept watch over Israel when they left Egypt. And he, it says, he did, did not delay even by one day. When he spoke to Abraham, he said, 400 years or 480 years, your children, your descendants will be slaves in Egypt. He did not delay even by one day. So you will not suffer one day extra in your life. One hour extra you will not suffer in your life. Because God is keeping watch over your life. He will set you free. He will set you free. Peter says, therefore, that Christians will experience grief only as is necessary in the light of God's great and infinitely wise purposes for them. Gold perishes, even though it is refined by fire. Our faith is more precious than gold. The purpose of all these things is that it may result in praise, glory, and thanksgiving. It may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What you are going through today is not isolated experience. What you are going through today has got no relevance to God's purposes. Don't think like that. Because what you are going through today is so that it may result in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ when he appears. That means your life is one with the life of Christ. His purposes, his glory, his plans. So do not get discouraged when you are going through troubles. The Lord is visiting you. Verse 8, I'm rushing through because I just want to finish these few verses. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What is he trying to tell Peter here? Probably he must be having the experience of Thomas in his mind. Thomas, he said, I will not believe until I see until I see Jesus for myself, until I put my finger in his nail prints, until I push my hand by the side where his spear went through his side, unless I put my hand there, I will not believe. And next week, when Jesus appeared among them, he looked straight at Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here. Put your finger in my nail prints and thrust your hand, thrust your hand into my side. And he fell at his feet and said, my Lord, my God. And he says, you are Yahweh. You are God. And Peter is saying, even though you do not see him, though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I tell you, this is the key to Christian faith. Is you must be filled with inexpressible, inexpressible joy. Filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. This is a salvation. When you are born again, your joy will be inexpressible. You cannot contain it. You cannot put it words, words to it. And you are so full of it that the joy is the only way you can express. When the people look at you, they have to see joy oozing out of you. Your words, your eyes, your, your demeanor, your posture, your, your life. When you sit down, when you get up, people should see joy in you. Then they know that the salvation you received is far precious than gold. 
we have to demonstrate this joy demonstrate this born again experience to the world by our attitude by our faith you don't see him in the present yet you are all filled with inexpressible and glorious joy in verse 9 for you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your soul all this process that you are going through is so that you may receive the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls what is the goal of your faith salvation of your soul that is the purpose and verse 10 concerning this salvation the prophets who spoke of grace of the grace that was to come to you search intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of christ and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told not told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things now that is a big big chunk of thing to understand when the prophets wrote about jesus sufferings when the prophets talked about messiah's coming they did not fully understand they were looking to the events that are going to happen hundreds and hundreds of years far ahead they were longing to look they were want, they were expecting that jesus will come will save them and they were looking forward for the salvation that would be revealed but what the what peter is saying here is they longed intently to understand these things but when they wrote about it when they dreamed about it when they talked about it they knew that they were not doing those things for themselves but for you when isaiah wrote he has you in mind when jeremiah wrote he has you in mind when ezekiel wrote he has you in mind when amos wrote zechariah wrote haggai wrote they are all having you in their mind and now having entered into that salvation you are able to rejoice you are able to rejoice now you you have to look back and what christ has accomplished for you and you rejoice in it and that becomes your strength that becomes your strength preach the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things i tell you sometimes we may think angels know everything no they don't when christ was coming into the world angels were watching eagerly what is christ going to do tomorrow what is he going to do next because they they didn't know what he was doing and when he died upon the cross when he was buried when he rose again angels rejoiced over the fact that the salvation has been ultimately accomplished for everybody even though the angels who are with god have not fallen the christ resurrection is important for them also to complete their existence everything the whole creation is longing paul says is longing to be set free is groaning and longing to be set free for the manifestation of the sons of god and you and i are sons of god when we have this received this salvation when you receive this glorious inheritance and when we rejoice in our sufferings when we are strong in our faith then ultimately we will enter into the salvation so salvation is a journey you believe in jesus you continue to believe in jesus and you long to be delivered when the appearing of christ then your salvation will be complete until then it is still real but it's not full it is still real but not full shall we pray
If you have known this salvation, if you have known this joy, and you have lost it, you can ask God to restore it today. As the chorus is sung, we can sing with them and uh, we'll respond to the word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.